Hey guys, this is Doug Aldrich from Burning Rain, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, Metalheads, Scott here. And Richie. And uh, Richie is back in the studio, and uh, we are ready to give you another week of Focus on Metal. So, uh, how's it going, man? You getting ready to uh, get the uh, the spring insanely busy time going? Yep. Yeah, but I made a bit of time to get down here. Yeah. Good, good. And uh, obviously, we have got a crap ton of audio still waiting to, uh, waiting to hit your little metal ear holes. And this week, we have got a chat with uh, our buddy, Doug Aldrich. Yeah, uh, Doug's been on the show four, four or five times now. Yeah. Um, the last time I spoke to him, I did a, a killer career chat with him. Right. Uh, I think I was nearly an hour and a half on the phone with him. Um, but he's on this time promoting the, uh, the brilliant new Burning Rain album, uh, Face the Music. Uh, have, you, have you heard some of it? I've only heard one track so far. Uh, I've heard uh, Midnight Train. Okay. All right. Just for clarification, in the few days uh, between recording this and mixing this, I have indeed gotten to hear the entire album. Uh, definitely a heavier track. I love the crunchy guitar sound that he's getting on there. And uh, just just the whole thing has a just a really awesome vibe. Mm, that guy is super busy. <laughs> he's like... He, He's not out with the Dead Daisies. He's doing Raiding the Rock Vault, or he's you know he's overdoing some promotional work for himself. Um, and now he's recording Burning Rain, and he probably has Dead Daisies coming up again later in the year. He's just insanely oh, and Revolution Saints, and, and taking care of the family all at the and, same time. The, well, I think being out on the road is uh, taking care of the family in a way. But, but he's yeah. one of those guys that uh, you know. I just, I just got to say it that he's out there, but the whole time he just we you know thinking about the kids and, and all that stuff. And uh, he's got amazing, uh, amazing balance in his life for all that. He does. Very cool. He does. Every time I speak to him on the phone, we spend the first few minutes just chatting about family. Yeah. Um, I don't do that with everybody. Right. Um, it's just me and Doug seem to have a little bit of a rapport. Um, cause it's probably because I've spoken to him so often. Yeah. And I'll tell you a fu- something funny. Um, about an hour after I got off the phone with Doug, the phone goes, and it's Doug. And he's like, uh, Richie. I'm like, yeah. I said, Doug, you called the wrong number, didn't you? He's <laughs> like, I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I was like, Doug, you can call me anytime you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Doug's a great guy, and I'm a massive fan. I am a massive fan of his playing. Yeah, he's got a really, you know... He's found his niche in uh, in what he does, and he's you know he's got a good mix of the traditional uh, plus a really good technique and all that. And uh, yeah, he's a very very tasty player. Mm-hmm. He's one of these guys that you know he's slotted into all these bands. Like he's he's written with Ronnie James Dio mm-hmm. and Coverdale. Yeah, and he's played with Glenn Hughes. You know what I mean? It's like that's probably three to four on on the Mount Rushmore rock music. Halford is probably the only one missing, or maybe Bruce Dickinson. Yeah, but the thing is, is that Doug's style wouldn't really fit with Halford or Dickinson. Mm, he fit with Dio. 
Yeah, but Dio still, you know, he still had that old school doo-wop thing in his background. And there was still a lot of, of kind of traditional pentatonic type of stuff happening with Dio where you just don't really have that same thing as much with, with a Halford or, or especially with Dickinson. Mm. It's, it's, it's different. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But um, the album is, uh, I think it's great. It's it's definitely got a more 70s Aerosmith kind of vibe to it. Yeah, um, I know you mentioned that in the interview as well. And mm. yeah, I was, I mean, I was hoping to have it in my hands already, but uh, yeah, fuck you, Pledge Music. Um, but I know uh, you got done on that one as but well. But I do have it, and I get, no, I get a refund on that one. Oh, good. Um, but I do have it ordered. It just hasn't hasn't shown up yet. Um, but, but yeah, looking forward to hearing the rest of it. But, uh, you know, the one track that uh, I have heard is, is pretty damn stellar. Mm. Have you heard, um, any of the end machine record? Yeah. It sounds like, um, Doc and Lynch Pilsen. It look, it sounds like it could have came off of any of the latter Dokken albums. I think it sounds more like the Lynch Pilsen record than Dokken. It does. It does have that. You know, you can tell there's a there's a Jeff Pilsen song arrangement happening in there. It's very good. Um, I'm not gonna. You know, it, it is a very good record. Yeah. And they're playing, I think, three shows. Mm. Um, hopefully they'll fit more in, but we'll see. Yeah. And um, we'll see where that goes. Is it going to be like a lot of the, George's other projects? <laughs> that, uh, you know, the music's great, but. Yeah, where you know where are the shows, right? I, yeah. I, I know that's something I, 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 you know, I can point the finger at so many artists with, that, right? But, um, at least George and the guys are getting together to play three shows, but Mick Brown can't do them. They've got um, is it Will Hunt from Evanescence is drumming, huh? Um, so Mick is probably doing docking because that's his bread and butter. That's where he earns his, you know, sure. He, that's where he's. His, most of his living is probably earned these days is playing docking shows and they play on the weekend. Yeah, and all I would imagine, you know, it's tough to with Pilsen too because his bread and butter is Foreigner. Oh, yeah, and they play all the fucking time. Yeah. They are constantly out there on the road. Yeah, so, you know. And he produces. Right. He's, he did, the, you know what I'm really interested to hear? I'm I'm really interested to hear this now. Is uh, He's done an album with Robin McCauley and Red Beach. Really? Yeah. Do you not know that? No. Um, so that's done. Um, I'm dying to hear that. Hmm. I, you know, Robin's a friend, and he's been on the show a couple of times, fellow Irishman. And it's great to have him back doing his own music again. It's been a long time for him. Yeah. Um, one of the, that's one. That's another thing. Um, I don't know if you're aware that uh, Paul Shortino is doing the. Uh, They've broken up Rough Cut. And remember the lineup of Quiet Riot? Mm-hmm. So it's Sean McNabb, yeah. Carlos Cavazzo, Paul Shortino, and Dave Alford, uh-huh. and Chris Hager from uh, Rough Cut. Yep. And Rough Riot, they're yep. calling the band. Yeah. But it's, I think, rating the rock fault, it might be winding down a little bit. And all these guys are starting to have time, are making time out now, I think, to... Uh, to branch out and do other stuff. I might be completely wrong there, but... Um, yeah, I mean, that Rough Riot, that, that um, I think they had their first gig, I think, like a week or two after we ran the last time we had Paul on. Yeah, and I was uh, I was like, why the fuck didn't you tell me that? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, they've done 
I think they're doing a fair few shows. Yeah, Rough Riot. So uh, I think they're um, I think they're trying to write stuff too. That's a fucking killer band. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, I'm a huge fan of that Quite Right record, anyway. But and Rough Cut. Yeah. Um, but we'll we'll see where that goes. But the Robin McCauley Red Beach one. And with Jeff Pilson, yeah, that's very fucking intriguing now for me. I'm like, wow, because hmm. uh, when is the last time Reb did a project? The Mob with Doug Pinnock. Uh, that was a good. That was a good album. Yeah, and that's 15 years old or more. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, who did we have on recently that uh, that said something about uh, they were doing a project with Reb and it, it didn't happen? I don't know. They're all it's just all. I know it all so just kind of blends together now. I've had so many fucking guys <laughs> I'm talking to. Him. I can't remember, but but this one is happening, and uh, you know that's that's good. that's going to sound stellar. But live shows, hmm, we'll see. Yeah, but speaking of live shows, you said you uh, you went and saw uh, some yesterday and today. Oh, amazing! I, Was that a Tupelo? Yeah, I saw Y and T. I I never saw Y and T in their heyday. Yeah. Um, the the closest I got to seeing them, and I actually didn't go. Friends of mine did. They played in Birmingham, uh, and I think it was White Snake, Gary Moore, and Y and T. Hmm. And uh, I I couldn't go, and all my friends went, and they said that Y and T played for like half an hour or whatever they got, yeah. and they were fucking amazing. And um, then they they're one of these bands that. They just didn't play in Europe a lot. Yep. And then about ten or so years ago, or fifteen years ago, there was when there was this resurgence in melodic rock mm-hmm. um, in Europe. Um, they were one of these bands that used to go over there for like the, October every year, September, October, November. Yeah. They used to come over for like eight or eight or nine weeks. Okay. And they'd play all over Europe. Uh-huh. And and then they'd find out that wow, there's a lot of people want to see us here. And then the following year, they'd play more shows, and then it just increased. And they started putting a Dublin show on it. Mm. And I went to see him in this, it was a little shithole of a place. And um, I went to see him, and Phil was still in the, Phil was still alive, Phil Kenmore. Yeah. And so it was It was the same, it was John, it was um, Mike Vanderhuel, it was Phil and Dave, the mm-hmm. first time I saw him. And I was in my element. I was like, fucking hell. Because I'm a massive Y&T fan. Uh-huh. And then the f- the next time they came around, Brad Lang was in the band. Phil was sick. Mm-hmm. He was very sick. And he passed away not long after that. And then I moved over here and I hadn't seen him for since I moved here. Yeah. For various reasons. Um, So they played in the Tupelo and it was a Sunday night and they were on at seven. Mm. And I said, I said on the day I looked up and there was a shitload of tickets left. So I just said, fuck it. Which is surprising because last year when they played the Tupelo and they did two back-to-back shows and they sold out like instantly. Yeah, but they, they played in the Greasy Look Oh, on the Tuesday. Uh-huh. I'll get to that in a minute, actually. And um, so they came on stage right at 7 o'clock. The place probably, there was probably about 250 people there. Yeah. Maybe, you know, out of maybe 600 maybe. And um, they played for two and a half hours, <laughs> right? Um, there was no solos, yeah, no drum solo, no none of that shit, right? They played one song, at least one song off every record, and 
I I was in my fucking element because they did did they did a song from uh, Musically Incorrect and Endangered Species in the nineties. Uh huh. And um, I don't think those albums are even available in the states. And Dave 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 told stories about a lot of the songs and writing them and everything. He was really, you know, he's very vocal with his his stories. You know, they were laughing and joking the whole lot. Um, they finished at nine. And they came. They they only went off for like a couple of minutes and came back. And one of the songs in, in the encore, they let the crowd pick it, right? So you had all these people shouting out songs. Yeah. And one guy shouted up "Armed and Dangerous." So you have the Contagious record, yeah. Yeah. And um, I was like, "Fuck, they're going to play it," you know. So he started playing it and he sang the first line, and then he went, "No, we didn't rehearse that. We don't know the rest." And I was like, <laughs> "Fuck!" Um, but they did. They did. Uh, Contagious from that record, yeah, and they did "I'll Cry for You" from that record. Um, but the songs they were thrown in—I think the third or fourth song was "Black Tiger." Uh huh. And I'm like, what fucking band has a song that good that they can throw in that early in the set? Yeah, like they were just—they were just amazing. And then they got off the stage, and Dave said, um, "If you want to wait out there, I'll be out in ten minutes." Right. And normally, yeah. what happens at these things is they put one of these tables in front of you. Yeah. Right, and you can't get near him. Yeah. Right. So you can say hello to him. You might get a picture. You got to lean in, kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, or they might actually let you back behind the table. Um, no, none of that shit. So John just John Nyman just walked in, and next minute, in through the other door, Dave comes in with a glass of champagne or whatever. Just walks up to people. Yeah. Starts talking away, and I, I was like, okay, it's Sunday night. I had to be up early, so I went over to Dave. Uh-huh. And I was talking to him for like a minute or something. Yeah, like I had my Contagious on my ten vinyl albums. Yeah, and I was talking to Dave, and he said, "Any chance you can sign these, Dave?" Yes, he said, "Yeah, sure, no problem." Did you enjoy the show? I said, "Yeah, fant- amazing." Any chance of photograph? Yeah, sure, no problem. Took a photograph, went home. Yeah. So they were on stage at seven. They played for two and a half hours. I got to meet Dave, get my album signed. Yeah, and get a picture taken, and I was in bed at ten thirty. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, Stephen, one of the guys, Stephen, one of our friends. Um, I don't know whether you've met him. I've met him at a few gigs up here. Um, he listens to the show. Uh-huh. That's how I, I knew the guy. He went to the show in the Greasy Look two nights after. Yeah, and he said they played for. I think he said they played for about two hours. Yeah, and Dave said he was feeling under the weather. Yeah, and uh, he didn't come out, but mm. the rest of the guys came out. And then I remember that weekend I was listening to the classic metal show and Chris Aiken said they went the Cleveland show they played for 70 minutes yeah. and Dave had to stop. Huh. He couldn't sing. Wow. So I looked out. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> but ab- absolutely amazing. He's 60, I believe he's 66 years old and he's lost nothing. Vocally or playing. Yeah. He is fucking amazing. For someone yeah. that age to play for two and a half hours. Yeah. Well, Incredible. I mean, he's kind of kept up with it the whole time, too. And, I mean, he started off with just kind of that slogging it out live all the time. So when you get all those early L.A. bands and stuff, they all say, you know, they all talk about Y&T. They all talk about going to see Y&T and stuff. Mm. I mean, you know, it's like In people, San Francisco, all the trash bands. People Y&T think that... Um, you know, that Y&T was something that popped out of that whole, you know, it's like, no, they were there first. 
Yeah, just you know? 76, 77? Yeah. Yesterday and today? Yesterday and today, yeah. So, it's you know, they, they, they did it the old-fashioned way. So, it's you know, speaking of San Francisco, though, um, I don't know if you heard, but it's kind of making the rounds now that, uh, you know, that, uh, that book that um, came out a few years ago, uh, Murderer in the Front Row. Documentary, is it? And they're going to actually make a documentary. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah. Of, who's doing it? It's not Bob, is it? Um, no, it isn't. Bob wasn't even involved in the book. It, that was the book was uh, what Harold Oyman and somebody else. The, um, it's not Bill Hale, is it? N- no, it wasn't Bill Hale either. But I don't know. The, I think got it on the shelf over there. Okay. Um, but I think I can't wait for that to come out. What that sort of do- what, what what do you think? How do- what do you think they're going to do with it? Hey, I just want to drop a quick note in here. If you want to watch the trailer for that documentary, you can go up to uh, metalsucks.net. They've got a link to all that as well as some great information about uh, who's in there and how it came to be and all that good stuff, including the fact that it is uh, Adam Dubin, the guy who uh, did the year and a half in the life of Metallica documentary. He's the guy behind this one. So if you're digging that former one, you're definitely going to like this one. All right. Back to the show. I'm sure they got like a lot of old footage from uh, from that time period and like videos, like yeah, not st- not pictures. Like actual- I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of pictures too, but then just a, a lot of um, you know people that are mentioned in the book that are still alive talking about stuff. And I'm sure they'll have like Ron Quintana on there and stuff. And this, you know, Lars Ulrich, people are the people around. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, should be pretty good. I think it's it'll almost be like a. I think almost like an inside LA metal San Francisco edition. You is know it what done? I mean? I, they, I don't know. Okay, uh, I, I've I have heard heard about it. Yeah, but I don't know how far into it they've actually yeah. gotten. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Look, a lot cool. of these things, it's like the funding. I think Bob even said it himself. The problem is getting the funding to, to get the thing done. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see. We'll see how it goes. All right, what do you think we uh we go ahead and uh play a little bit of uh, a little bit of burning rain and uh we can uh we can get into your chat with Doug. Sure. We should uh, probably probably get into that. Mhm. All right, so let's do that. We're going to play a little track and uh get right into Richie's chat with our, our buddy Doug Aldrich. <laughs>
Hey, Richie. Hey, Doug. How you doing? Good, good, good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Are you done doing some shows for Rating the Rock Fault? I, I know you were doing some recently. Or do you have to go back to, later on this month and finish them? No, no, I'm done for a while. I mean, I might, I might go back in in May or June a little bit, but before the Dead Daisies kick off. But right now, uh, I'm freed up so I can do promotional activities for Burning Rain, which is great. Because I haven't had it, you know, the last record we did, I was in Whitesnake and I couldn't really do anything. So now I'm free. I, I've got time carved out since Dead Daisies is off. So that was kind of the thing. They told us we were going to take an extended break because we've been to- doing so much. And then I told Keith, I go, let's, not, let's knock this record out so that we can have it come out during that time. Okay. And, I, and then we can... We can promote it. We can do some shows. We can do whatever we whatever we want to do, and then we can if we do a good setup in the at the release time, and shortly after, then we could probably come back and do some real touring in Europe um, in the fall. Yeah, I believe you're uh, you're doing some acoustic shows over there. Yeah, we're gonna do. Um, it started off just I wanted to do like promotional acoustic stuff and and looking for avenue places to play and. And then it kind of blew up and people were like, hey, no, you should do an acoustic show, you know? And um, so that's where it's kind of gotten to where we're doing a full, that's almost a month of acoustic dates. Okay. And um, like with no days off kind of. It was just fine. It's all good. And then we're doing, we're going to wrap up um, April with a, the, 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 show, the one show to kick off in Europe with the Frontiers Festival. In Milan, nice April April twenty eighth. Yeah, nice. So, when is the last time Burning Rain did a full electric show? I would say it was four, three. No, it was about three years ago, something like that. We 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 did a handful of shows. We did a Frontiers Festival, and we did a handful of shows in the U.S. And that's that's all we did on the last record on Epic Obsession. Um, is because I was, I was, you know, still doing White Snake and fully committed to that and touring a lot with that. And then, you know, once the record kind of out for a little bit, we, we, you know, it wasn't that we couldn't have worked it, but we just got busy with with um, our kind of day jobs. You know, my day job being White Snake at that time. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's been a while, but we we are we're fully. The other problem came that. Um, with, it was, which is why we've got Bloss and Brad. Is that the other guys were already in, you know, some other bands, and it it was really difficult for all four schedules to meet up. And so, I explained to Keith that you know he and I need to make this priority if we want other guys to make it a priority, and let's find some guys that are really into it. And and once we met Bloss, and once I met Bloss and played with him. I, I was, it was awesome because he's he's such a he's like one of the most physical drummers out there, and he's been kind of laying low for the past ten years or so. Hmm. So it was great, and he was really excited about it. And and then I met Brad through Brad and uh, Keith were friends. I met Brad. And we had a jam, and is he's just a you know a great player, great guy, sings awesome, and very much excited about being part of Burning Rain. So. It was good, man. We we, we wanted to uh, find guys that when that we could actually do proper t- tours with. And mm. These guys are into it. 
Yeah, yeah. Now, did you know Bloss? Was that he played in Reading the Rock Vault as well, didn't he? That's where I met him. Mm. Yeah, he came in. He came in as a sub for Jay Shellen. When Jay went full time to Yes, um, Bloss kind of filled in and took over. And he had been doing Blue Man Group for a number of years and kind of started to really enjoy Rock Vault. And uh, and that's when I talked to him about what, you, what would you, how would you feel about you know joining Burning Rain and being you know playing on the record and doing whatever we can do but basically making a, a real a band situation where we are you know all in it together and he's like man i'd love to, i'd love to work with you and he heard um we had started the record but then we we got lost to come in and play and i he heard some of the stuff um i played him a couple of things and he was like man this sounds great i'd love to do it so hmm. That's how we got him. Yes. So, Doug, the last time I spoke to you, uh, one of the things I spoke to you about was the Epic of Session record. And you seem to have a finite amount of time to get that done. Uh, did you have more time to do this record? Not not necessarily. Um, we, we, we had to, we had started writing, you know, a little bit off and on a couple of years ago, actually. And, and then we just, Again, you know, the day job, especially with since I joined the Dead Daisies, I got back, you know, into working six months of the year with the Dead Daisies. And then the other six months, I'd be catching up family stuff mm-hmm. and doing, doing sessions, uh, you know, schedule around the Dead Daisies. But we started writing. We've got a couple of things going that I really was excited about. And then um, we sat down a couple times last year in the beginning of the year and really got a, a good bit of the, the record together and we knew we were going to get it done soon at some point and have it come out in 19. We, I just didn't know when, but when I got word of the dead daisy schedule, I was like, like I said, I told Keith, let's, let's knock this out. Let's, let's, let's revisit everything and let's find our favorites and then let's see what the record needs and add to it. You know, and we did it, you know, in, in our in this spare time of our day our day gigs and Keith had been doing uh, from last year he was doing some work with Kingdom Come and then he's also got several cover bands that he does and stuff so he was he had some stuff going on we had to work around that and I I'd work with him when I was home and then I'd send him demos and he'd work on them send them back so it was kind of um, similar in some ways to Epic Obsession um, but we you know, we, we're in. The, you know, in the end, it's always hard to let go of a record. You want to keep going and add more to it, and do more things, and change songs, and change, change the running order. But that's why we got Alessandro Del Vecchio involved, so that he could just oversee it and help us kind of connect the dots. Hmm. Doug, did you get a chance to see Keith sing with Kingdom Come? Well, I I saw some online, but not live. Okay, I they saw. Were, I saw him live. And, yeah. Uh, um, I had James Kotak on to help promote the tour and I met the guys and, and all that after the show but I knew Keith was a great singer but I'd never actually seen him perform and I didn't realise yeah. not only was he a great singer he's a brilliant front man he, he, he absolutely nailed that material yeah he, re- he worked really hard on it yeah and uh, I'm glad to hear, I'm glad to hear that of course I know he's he's killer um, and uh, you know it's 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 a uh, we we all love Led Zeppelin, you know, and Kingdom Come kind of has that Zeppelin vibe as well, so it works great for Keith, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. Now, one of the things I'm getting from the new record, I've only got it a couple of days, Doug, so I've only listened to it a, a few okay. times. Um, okay. I'm definitely getting a classic Aerosmith sound from this one. Um, yeah. When I listen to, like, Nasty Hustle, and Lorelei has that Kings and Queens kind of uh, yeah. kind of vibe to it. And that's a little bit different yeah. now to the last record. Well, it's came like this, really, Richie, is that I, I don't like to plan out you know, I don't like to go, hey, let's make a record like this or let's do that. We basically just get a group of songs going and, and kind of, you know, let let it lead the way. And so I maybe would come up with, a, a, you know, a chord progression or something that maybe is a tip of a hat to Zeppelin or to Aerosmith or whoever. Not on purpose, but it just kind of, maybe I wouldn't even notice it, you know. Mm. And then maybe Keith would sing something on it. And, and I would notice, wow, that's kind of cool, man. Like you mentioned, Lorelai has that Kings and Queens thing. And I, I didn't, we didn't plan it that way. It just kind of happened that way. Um, you know, if you listen to, if you change the chords, maybe it wouldn't have as much of that. Or maybe if you change the melody, it wouldn't have as much of that. But two together is definitely got a, a flavor of that song. I love that song. In other, in other words, I don't mind the tip of a hat. I don't mind it if something sounds like something a little bit, as long as it wasn't planned that way. Yeah, we would, we would never sit. We would never sit down and say, "Hey, let's try and sound like Aerosmith on this record, or let's try and sound like Zeppelin or whatever." We, it's kind of like we just write songs that we like, and that's what we got. And um, yeah, there's a, there's definitely an Aerosmith vibe on a couple of things that. It just, you're, you know, the influences come in, and that's it. And then there's also, you know, I mean, there's always a Zeppelin influence 
with stuff that Keith and I do because we love him. We love them. And, you know, you, you, that's that's a, another one that's pretty strong sometimes that it comes out like songs like Shelter. Maybe it, it has a bit of a, a Zeppelin thing, but then it's got a little bit bit of a beetle thing or something. I don't know. And then some people would say, hey, man, it sounds like you guys are listening to um, Judas Priest. Or I, There was something somebody said recently, and I said, no, we weren't. But <laughs> if you hear it like that, that's that's fair. You know, I mean, everyone's entitled to their opinions. Uh, mm. I, I don't mind. I don't mind if someone's got an influence of something else as long as it just wasn't planned. I like it to be really natural that it's Burning Rain playing and doing what we want that we think sounds cool and and then if it sounds like somebody a little bit that's cool as long as it's not too close or something yeah and the other track that i'm really getting something from on this is uh if it's love that reminds me of a classic zz top wow that's i didn't hear that that's cool yeah i I, I, I never i know different guys are going to give you different takes on songs but that's what i'm getting from that one something like jesus left chicago wow well that's i mean Honestly, Richie, that's a massive compliment. I'm yeah. not sure. I mean, to- I don't. I'm not sure I deserve it, but I, think <laughs> it. <laughs> I, I love. I mean, I was thinking you were going to say like when I think if I compare it, if it's love to ZZ Top song, I would think of that one song, um, is it Lonely Boy or something. Rough Boy. Uh, Rough Boy, yeah. On Afterburner. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I would think of, but I never thought of it. I basically. It, the 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 um the ba- the keyboard baseline thing that's in, if if it's love kind of came secondarily, be- just because I didn't I just wanted to get something down to jam to, mm-hmm. and then the, then the bass player said well, let me play bass on uh, I mean, Brad said let me play bass on it, and he made it sound really cool, but we kind of kind of missed the we kind of like hey I kind of like that that synth thing along with the bass, but the chord progression is kind of the classic those minor seven chords it's just a, you know it's been done probably a million times in the chorus yeah that kind of chord progression but um keith you know got a melody that i thought was really cool and there you have it hmm. are you aware dog that your the burning rain debut album just turned 20 years old <laughs> yeah i am and it's amazing you know i always <laughs> you always think about those bands like Man, how can it take them so long? It takes them five years to make a record every time. Why, why does it take so long? Because it really doesn't need to be that long. But with us, it's it's purely been that Burning Rain's never been. It's always been our, our in our pocket as our baby band. You know, me and Keith, we, we've we've never given it. To be honest, we've never given it a fair shake in, in time, and. Um, it's it's time that we do that. You know, that's something that we really wanted to do with this. So we wanted to come out with um, immediately coming to Europe, and it will definitely be filling spots in in the U.S. We're doing um, a Vegas show as our kind of record release party on the 29th of March. Nice. And yeah, so we're going to start there, and we'll just have some friends come out, and then. Um, do the acoustic run, which we would have done a band run probably because we've got a bunch of offers, but Frontier Festival kind of excludes us from, from performing, you know, right before or right after the festival. Okay. Some people, yeah, they want to keep it exclusive. And 
it's a great opportunity for us because a lot of there's a lot of European press that's there and a lot of promoters and different people that when they see us play, you know, we hopefully will will um gain more interest, you know, in, in all that. So although we I know we could set up a tour already, um we're planning on doing that in September for Europe in the US and and uh other things will be prior to that, kind of doing weekend warrior stuff. And maybe we'll get to to do some dates with some people. You know, we've got friends in LA Guns and obviously um, bands like Lynch Mob and and uh, there's a you know several bands that are that are doing that weekend thing that maybe we could get on board with. And there's some festivals we've been invited to a couple next year already. So we're we're gonna, we're, we're going to give it a shot, you know. And with your help, God willing, we'll. we'll be able to um not have it be 20 you know five <laughs> years before every record yeah so, so doug before i leave you go i gotta ask you um the revolution saints i believe you have you signed on for a third record for that yeah we did we've signed on for it and we um we plan on recording it sometime in may ish we're going to start the record in, in the beginning of april while we're all going to be at frontiers fest we're going to uh, do some tracking then and then we'll I'll probably do guitar solos and stuff in May. Okay, and do you think Jack is going to be more involved in the in the songwriting? Because when I spoke to Dean last year, he definitely wanted Jack to be to be more involved in it. Yeah, I mean, you know, we all we all do, and and um, we're, you know, with the last record, with the first record, it was all Alessandro. With the last record, it was Alessandro and me for the most part, mm-hmm. and then we had the song, we had the song. Uh, from Richard Wright, uh, Richard, um, the guy from Mr. Mister, the, the bass player. Okay, uh, I can't think wrote, of his name. Anyway, he wrote the ballad on the record, and we would love for Jack to be more involved if he's if he's available. He's, um, you know, he he actually just lost a, a a really long dear friend, and so he he just we're kind of giving him a little time off just to um, to kind of grieve his his loss and then we'll, we'll see if we can all get together and bang out some stuff together but um if the worst worst comes to the worst um at least jack is going to be more involved in the singing aspect as well nice and and what's happening with the dead daisies dog that band is hardly ever idle for too long well that's why that's why we're taking an extended hiatus we needed a break we've been working it hard as you know oh yeah and um uh, we needed to kind of give it a rest for a minute, and um, so we're we're going to kick it off at some point late late spring, early summer, and we're going to make some new music. Nice, nice. Now, do, do you prefer the last question before I leave? We go. Do you prefer doing the way you work with Revolution Saints, where someone brings a song in and you interpret what they've written, or the way the Dead Daisies do it, where you all get in the same room and immediately go in and record? Like, which one do you prefer? Uh, I like the Dead Daisies way the best. I mean, I've done it every way possible over the years, and you know, I mean, like David and I would would collaborate together for for days and days and days on stuff, and we'd come out with you know three or four songs, and then after a while, it was like this, this is the record, and, it, and the demos were so completed that you know it was it was it is what it is. With the Dead Daisies, it was completely you know organic in the sense that the band was together at every moment. Everybody was involved. We would see everybody's ideas through as best it could, and it would be obvious, you know, if 
something was 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 cool, we were going to keep it and work it. Hmm. And and I really enjoy that. And Keith and I, for the most part, you know, had kind of done it the the, the way that David and I would do it. But I would love to on the, the follow up records. God willing, we will get in a room and and rehearse some ideas or, or take sit down with acoustic guitars like the Dead Daisies do and bang out some stuff and then we'll go in and record it straight away. It's it's the funnest thing, man. Mm-hmm. It happens it goes so quick, you know. You before you know it, you got a record. And it's not necessarily gonna be a change of the world type of thing. You know, you might have several songs that, that are really, really strong, but it's just it's a moment in time and that's what people want to hear. They don't they're not looking for you to rewrite the, the white album necessarily they, they just want to hear some music by by these, these group of people yeah yeah so, well well dog i know you got a more interview scheduled after me so i'm going to leave you go do you want to give out all the social media sites where people can get in touch with you or, or burning rain yeah well definitely um facebook we have burning rain official um we have burning rain rain underscore burning for the for uh Instagram, but you can look it up on Instagram as Burning Rain, as well as Twitter. Okay. So uh, just just search Burning Rain or Burning Rain Official, and you'll, you'll get in the right spot. And I definitely want to thank for you know their support of the band all these years. I mean, we we have, we have a small following, but it's a strong following, and we hope to build on that. Mm, well, I'm part of that, Doug. And uh, hopefully, if you get up to the Boston area sometime, I'll actually get to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would love that, Richie. I hope, I hope when you know when you get your get time, you can really dig into the record, and I hope you enjoy it. Oh, definitely. I, I love all the stuff you do, anyway. So, listen, I'll leave you go, Doug. I know you got more interviews now. Thank you, Richie. I really appreciate your support, brother. Thank yeah, you. Take care of yourself. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs>
All right, there you go is uh, Richie's chat with with Doug, and I hope you guys enjoyed that one. Lots of good stuff in there, and uh, yeah, I just you know Doug's always so personable. I know we said it at the beginning too, but but he's he's definitely just a uh, just one of these people that I think either one of us always enjoys talking to. He's just really down to earth and just really freaking personable and happy to be talking to people. Mm. You know, it's it's unusual in a way that. Um, Doug hasn't lost sight of that. He just always seems genuinely happy to talk about music and what's going on. And uh, yeah, it just always strikes me whenever whenever we talk to him about this stuff. Mm, I'll text him every now and again. We text back and forth a little yeah. bit. Um, you know, not not that often, but you know, if, any, if he's at a new out and I've heard it, I always say, "Man, Doug's fucking killer," you know, and he always yeah. get responds back and everything, you know. So he definitely appreciates. Uh, what we do, um, you know, they're trying. These these guys are trying to get the music out there. Um, you know, there's a certain way you can do it now. Like the commercial radio is not going to pick the stuff up. No, hell even, no. Even though the music's great, right? Um, so you know, he's one of the guys that definitely appreciates. You know, us trying to help him. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think just in general, I mean, this, you know, like just from that. That one track, I just said is, and you're right. I mean, it, it does have that Aerosmith crunchy kind of get your wings rocks era type yeah, of stuff does. that 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 Joe and Brad were getting. But um, I also I really liked Keith's voice on this too. I stellar. I saw uh, I saw him with Kingdom with Come. Kingdom Come, yeah, and uh, he was fucking amazing doing the songs. Yeah, but this one, you know, this one here, he's got more of the. Uh, a growl in his voice that you don't hear on the other albums. That tells you how good a singer he is. You know, he's just he really, I mean, you know, because a lot of times bands talk about, oh, this one's heavy and we heavied it up and, you know, and this is going to be harder. And, and then you listen to it and go, oh, I don't know. I don't really agree with that. But this is definitely one of those times where they talk about making a harder album and it's like, damn, mm. you know, really did, you know? It's nice to see that... um they're doing a run of shows. Um, I know there are acoustic shows in Europe. Yeah. But um, I know in the past when I've spoken to Doug, he's always felt that Burning Rain is important to him. Yeah. It's just that whatever else was going on at the time. Sure. He could do the albums, but he couldn't Yeah. You know, promote Burning Rain as as best that he could. Right. And now he's he has the opportunity now to, to go to Europe and spend a month over there and do acoustic shows. Right. And, and hopefully... The band will plug in somewhere and play some shows. Yep. Because he definitely comes across as someone he he really does want to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, before we go, let's just take a quick minute or two to talk about the the new Tesla album. Mm. Shock. <laughs> I, I I think that you know you you hit it on the head when you texted me and said um, it's it's Def Tesla, um, and then something spurred me to pull out the thing because I thought I had heard some, at some point that. Somebody when Leopard was involved with it, and sure enough, you know Phil Collin was the uh, producer on it. So it's like, all right, I I understand where a lot of this is uh, is coming, and um, I would say that Phil definitely learned uh, learned his lessons well from uh, from everything that was uh, was done production wise for them. But uh, you know, I just there's a few songs on there too that you don't even except for very like short spots of the song. It doesn't even sound like Jeff singing. Hmm. Well, here's 
I'm going to start by saying something. I love the band. Uh-huh. I'm a huge fan of Tesla. Yeah. Um, just because I don't like something that they've put out now, that that doesn't make me a hater. I'm sure. still a huge fan. Yeah. I do not like this record at yeah. all. Um, well, it's even more interesting because another big band for you is Leopard. Yeah. So like, like I played this, so I played this the other day for my girlfriend. Oh, and, I love Def Leppard. And her two big bands are Tesla and Leopard. So I'm like, have a listen. And she was, she was like, I don't, I don't, I'm not liking this. Like, and she, again, I mean, she, she loves Tesla mm. and, uh, but she was like, you know, okay, I can, that, yeah, that's Jeff's voice there. Yeah. Okay. But like, uh, and I think a lot of it is, I, I, you know, listen to it and I'm like, what, what is it? What's missing? And it's that, it's that crunchy, gritty thing that's not there that, Tesla has always had this, it's almost like you're on the edge of being imperfect on it. They always pull it off, but because you've got the raspiness of Jeff's voice where you're like, is he going to just suddenly not be able to sing or just vocally fall down? And the guitars are just hanging together and they're all super talented people, but it just, it doesn't have that. It's It's got kind of a smoothness and it's it's very well produced and it's just it's that there's a there's a raw element that you need for Tesla. I'll tell you when Tesla sounded like Def Leppard, high and dry Def Leppard, not mm-hmm. Hysteria Def Leppard. Yeah, this is Hysteria Def Leppard uh-huh. done by Tesla. Yeah, and it doesn't work for me. I I can't understand why. This is what I can't understand. Because right, something like like t- like like Let It Go. I mean, if yeah. you want to flip it around, Let It Go could be a Tesla song. Yeah, if if. What are Tesla, what do they want from this? Are they trying to get on the radio? Do they think it's going to work that way? They've got Phil Collin. He's going into the Hall of Fame. Oh, look, he did the new Tesla record. Maybe we'll try and get their songs on the radio. I think this is probably more something that was organic of, of having that, that bill of Def Leppard and Tesla for so many years. They probably got to be friendly, and it was like, all right, let's, you know, let's, let's do this. And some of it probably, I think, is is got to be uh, a, a wish on on Tesla's part, probably a wish on uh, on Brian's part of uh, of wanting to sound that way. Because if you go back to other things that Phil's done other than Tesla, um, it doesn't sound like um, it doesn't sound like a like a Def Leppard. So you know, um, what is it? Uh, Delta Delta Blues. Thank you. Something. Yeah. The I mean, guy, that, guy that, out of Stone Temple Pilots. Is that one basic. doesn't. That one doesn't sound at all. Delta Deep. Delta something. Deep. That's it. Yeah. You know that, that doesn't sound like a um, like uh, Def Leppard blues band, and the stuff with Man Ray's doesn't sound like that. And so it's it's obvious he does. You know, it's other things that really bring out his influence. So something tells me that in some way, shape, or form, they they w- were requesting it to sound this way. The other the other name on the credits, and I haven't heard this guy's name brought up, um, Ronan McHugh. Uh-huh. I think mixed it. Yeah. He's the guy that's mixed the last four or five Def Leppard records. Yeah. Um, he's the guy that Def Leppard work with. Mm-hmm. Everybody's talking about Phil Collin. Yeah. But he's the guy that mixed it. And um, Yeah, mixing is one thing, but you got to have the tracks delivered. And so you listen to a lot of the layering and, and a lot of the vocals and all of that stuff. And that's all got to be... That's all Phil. You know... 
saying, yeah, this is what we did. This is how you do it. This is what I would suggest. Now they may be going, well, how do we get, you know, how do we make that gang vocal sound like what you want to do and stuff? And, um, and then, yeah, then obviously you got to have the guy that, that, um, knows sonically how to, how to make it sound that way. Um, you know, you sort of still have to have the ears, although I, I, I know you don't get into all the gadgets and crap I have, oh, on, no. but they, you know, like they have a new plugin that just came out recently that will, you basically will give it a reference song and it will figure out what the EQ and everything is on that song. And then basically then you play your song through it and then it tells you, okay, you need to boost this and cut this. And it, it basically says, okay, that's why you, that's why you want to sound. Okay. This is what you need to do to do it. And it's like, <laughs> That's freaking cheating. <laughs> oh, did any of the guys in Tesla, when they were making the record, put their hand up and say, hang on a second, is this the way we want to go? Because there's one or two songs on it that they're good. Yeah. Um, they sound a little bit like the old Tesla. I wasn't a massive fan of Simplicity, mm. the one before that. Yeah. Um, I really like Forevermore. And Into the Now was brilliant. Oh, hell yeah. But... um. But uh, the simplicity sounded like Tesla. Mm-hmm. Like you put a song on. What's the song? Is a California summer song. I'm like oh my fucking sweet Jesus! <laughs> I'm like really, all, all the layered vocals and and, and I'm, I'm like is this the fucking same band that did Mechanical Resonance and yeah. the Great Radio Controversy. One of the reasons I love Tesla in '86 or '87. Because they didn't fucking sound like Def Leppard, they didn't True. sound like any of the overproduced bands at the time. They were, they didn't have really have an image. Yeah, they were just twin guitar band. They, yeah. they were like Aerosmith in the eighties. Yeah, and, and the other part of it was is that those were songs that you listen to and go, ah, I can't wait to hear this live. Oh yeah, this is going to sound that much better live. So I just don't know. You know, are they planning on doing any of this stuff live? And I and, think they are. And how are they going to do it live? It'll sound different, you know. So it's like I, I, when yeah. I yeah, but when I look at the, when I listen to the other Tesla records, the one it always st- stood up. He was like, "You the twin guitar." You Jeff Keat was a great singer, mm-hmm. um, you know, really solid songs. Mm-hmm. Anyone ever say to you, "My God, Tesla, their fucking backing vocals are tremendous"? <laughs> I've never heard anybody say that. Right, and you get this record, and the fucking thing is stacked up. Full of them. Yeah, I, I don't even know who's doing them. Right, it might even be. The, it wouldn't surprise me if Phil. Is I'm on sure Phil's all, on it. Is yeah. on all of them, probably. Yeah. And and he probably has someone else on on them as well. But, yeah. But um, I don't know. It just it's a complete fucking head scratcher. <laughs> and it is this album has been so polarizing. Yeah. All you got to do is go on their Facebook page, and either fucking people love it. They probably secretly don't love it, but they're massive fans. Some of them. Yeah. And then other people just think it is fucking garbage. Yeah. I mean, the one the thing band. I will say is at least, you know what, they're putting out new music. And, okay, they're going to try something different and hey, not was, being safe. It's one, like, oh, hey, that's go. That's it's better cool. than the new Motley Crue stuff. <laughs> that's fucking garbage. Like a virgin. Fuck off. Oh, man. <laughs> ah, speaking of fucking off, we should, pro- we, should, we should probably fuck off about this point and, uh, and call it a week. So, yep. uh Anyways, I think we're going to wrap it up this week. That's it. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for uh, myself and me, we'll uh, wishing you guys will have a good metal week. And until we talk to you again next week, 
Remember, focus on metal. Everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.